to draft or not to draft early? That is the question. What do you do when a projected stud goes down to injury? And how do we approach stacks? Oh, it's going to be a good one. Welcome to the meeting. This is Fantasy Addicts Anonymous, the only AA that's not for quitters. I'm your fantasy football mentor, Antoine Weisslicker. Follow me on all social media at Weisslicker. Support the show and earn your chip. Yeah, man, you hear it all the time. As soon as a big name goes down in training camp or early in the preseason to injury, you hear it. Oh, that's why you don't draft early. You hear that reverberating throughout the redraft community. Not realizing that some of these people who are asking these questions about what they do when a big-name person goes down in training camp or before training camp or in the preseason, these are dynasty people who they didn't draft early. It's just the fact that they had this person on their team in the first place. But you'll hear it throughout the entirety of the redraft community. Oh, you don't draft early. You don't draft before the last preseason game. Well, how many leagues do you participate in? Because I participate in competitively. If you're a competitive type player, you're participating in 10, 12, 15, 20 leagues. And you're trying to win 20% of those leagues just so you can bring home some cash. Because that's what you do in competitive leagues. But you're not drafting all 20 of those leagues the day before the season starts. It's impossible. You're not able to do that. So when is the appropriate time to draft? A lot of people say, no, I'm going to wait until right before the season starts to draft. Well, again, I want to participate in more than just one or two leagues. I want to participate in dozens of leagues. Because I want to put money down that I'm going to win. And I'm going to try my hardest to finish within the top three so that I could take home some money. That's that's how people approach the game. Some people approach the game that way. Now, I get it. Others don't approach the game that way. And they say don't draft early. This is why you don't draft early. Well, no matter when you draft, you should be able to make adjustments to your roster to continue to play through. There's no difference in drafting someone in the first or second round and they get injured in week two or week three. You have to make the adjustment to retool your team so that you can go out there and try to win a championship. So what's the difference between a person who drafted before training camp, had a person go down that they picked in the first or the second round, 
And now they have to retool. What's the difference in that? It's not much of a difference. Both people lost their first or second round pick. Here's the difference. The difference is at the start of the season, you drafted right before the start of the season. So you drafted after preseason, after training camp, after all the cuts. Everything happened. You and the rest of your league mates already know everything that happened here. We already know not to pick Michael Thomas too early because he's not going to play the first five weeks. We already know Cam Akers is out. Don't pick him up. We know this. But going further into the preseason and things, you already know all the cuts. So now the pool of players that you have are a lot more limited than if you drafted early. If you drafted early, everybody thinks they have a great team until those until those cuts start to happen and training camp starts to, to wane through. But during that time, everybody thinks they have a great roster. And the free agency pool, the waiver wire, is more robust. Because it has people who are fighting to make a team. And then when you find out that that person made made the team, it's that much more satisfying that you already had this player on your roster because you scouted. You did your homework, and you knew that this particular person may get that starting role or may carve out a role for themselves in the offense. It's satisfying. Those people who had Cam Akers go down or Michael Thomas go down early in the year, they have an opportunity right now to go look at some training camp reports and see who's balling, who's making their way up the depth chart. They have that opportunity. Yes, the people that draft late have the opportunity to sit back and watch things unfold. But where's your strategic advantage? You don't have one because all of your other league mates are watching these same things unfold. And you all know who made the 53-man roster. So nobody's picking anybody who didn't make the 53-man roster. Nobody's picking players that aren't viable starters or have a carved out role so at that point your draft then becomes more important than a person that drafted early a person that drafts early they can make a mistake in the draft and it won't cost them too much 
Because they can always find somebody to replace that mistake that they made. Yes, this is true of certain positions when you draft late. When you draft late, you cannot make a mistake on running back because there's not going to be that many left out there. Yes, you found your James Robinsons last year. But your Jonathan Taylors, your Cam Akers, your David Montgomery's, them guys were drafted. They were already on teams. They weren't on waiver wires. And you didn't find your James Robinson in week three or week four. You had to get him week one. Or you had to get him when he was going to be named, when he was named the starter at the beginning of the season. You know, we say that every year. Like, there's always plenty of people on the waiver wire. It's really not. For those who don't draft early, for those who draft late, your draft is important. Everybody is getting drafted right then. One or two people may be missed because they emerge later in the season. But that that draft right before week one, it's important. You got to get it right. You can't fuck up. You can't make that many mistakes. But what's the difference between you drafting before training camp and somebody gets injured or before the preseason and somebody gets injured or the people last year who drafted CMC first overall and lost them week three? People that drafted Saquon second or third overall lost them week three. Injuries happen. So how do you handle that? How do you handle when an injury happens to one of your stud players? One of your projected studs? What do you do at that point? Do you make a trade? Do you try to get them off your roster? If there's no timetable for his return, or if it's an injury where he's probably going to return, but you want to try to get something now, I say move him. So like when Saquon went down, his injury was he's out. He's not coming back. At that point, you can cut him. There's no point of having him on your team. He's not coming back. Unless it's, you know, keeper league or something like that. But we're talking about redraft. He's off your team. You know, you don't need him. Dynasty leagues, you should have injury reserve spots. If you don't have injury reserve spots in dynasty leagues, somebody needs to, you know, step their game up. But in a redraft league, things that in the player season, you can just cut them. You can just let them go. But in CMC's case last season, his injury had a timetable of coming back within – Five weeks, three, four weeks. Do you hold on to them or do you move them for some pieces to put you over the top? 
I say it depends. Now, with a player like Christian McCaffrey, he's one of those people who you're going to try to hold on to him. I mean, it didn't it didn't work out too well for the people who held on to him. He ended up coming back, playing one game, and then not playing the rest of the season. But you have to make a decision on whether or not you're going to get rid of this guy and try to get some pieces to help your team. If you traded Christian McCaffrey and got some players to help your team, I don't fault you for that. I think that is a smart move. You don't take the chance of this player not coming back. You let somebody else hold that bag. There is a chance that that per- that the player will come back and they will do fantastic for the other person. But if you feel that you should give yourself a chance and you let somebody else play Russian roulette with the injured player, then do that. I'm one of those people that if it's not Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, you know, or a Russian quarterback like Kyler Murray or Lamar Jackson or, or Patrick Mahomes, maybe Josh Allen, I can move that player. Uh, I'm not pressed on that. I can move that player. So think about those types of things. Think about the people that you may or may not be able to move. On our show, we we look at points per game. We don't look at the overall totals. We look at points per game. Because points per game tells me how many points I'm going to get on a week-to-week basis. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to outscore my opponent. Every single week. Most people are looking like, oh, I have to put together the best team to get the most points every week. No, 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 no. I'm looking to put together players that week in and week out, they're going to score more points than my opponent. I want to have a quarterback that I know is going to score more points than my opponent's quarterbacks. Nine times out of ten. I want a running back that's going to outscore. So I'm looking at points per game totals. I'm not looking at your entirety of the season and they telling me you were the running back five winning points per game because you played 16 games versus the guy over here who, yes, he missed some games, i.e. Nick Chubb. Yes, he missed some games in the middle of the year. But at the end of the season, when it was championship time, he showed up for you. He won you fantasy championships. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for the guys who can get out there and get you 20-plus points a week. 
not the one who's going to give me 40 this week and then every other week he's going to give me 10 and we think we're good to go. No, that's not how this works. We want those stud players on our teams. We want consistent players with high ceilings. Yes, I want a consistent player, but I want that consistent player that could drop 40 on somebody. If you could drop 40 fantasy points on my opponent, more than likely I'm going to win. And that's what I'm looking for. We're looking for the people who gives us that consistency where they're scoring 20-plus fantasy points a week. But then they can also explode and give you 40, 35 to 40 fantasy points. If you can get that out of a player, you're happy with that. You're happy with that. You're also happy with stacks. What is stacking? Stacks. Stacking in fantasy football is you take the quarterback of that team and the number one receiving option of said quarterback. Now, the reason why I say the number one receiving option is because his number one receiving option could be a tight end, could be a wide receiver, could even be a running back. In cases of Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, you know, these guys catch a lot of passes out of the backfield 80 receptions. You're stacking that with a quarterback. You're happy about that. The only problem with that is those two particular names that I gave to you, their quarterbacks aren't that great at the moment. So you're not looking to really stack them. So most of the time you're going to be stacking the wide receiver or or the tight end with their quarterback. Patrick Mahomes, Tariq Hill, or Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey is a perfect example of a stack. You're looking to have both of those players on your team because when both of them perform well, you get a little bit of a bump, a little bit more of a percentage chance that you're going to beat your opponent that you're going to score more points than your opponent. That's what you're looking for. That's what we're looking for in fantasy football. The only thing about the stacks is that it's kind of hard to execute if both players within that stack are drafted as the number one person in their position. Patrick Mahomes is going to be the number one quarterback off the board. Travis Kelsey is the number one tight end off the board. Tariq Hill could be the number one or number two wide receiver off the board, depending on how you look at it, depending on who you want more. But when you're saying that these are the top guys that are being picked, how do I get that stack for those particular guys? For those type of guys, you're going to have to pick that on the 
you know, on the turn, on the first round, second round turn. If you don't do that, that you're not going to get that stack. It's not going to happen. Patrick Mahomes is typically going midway through the third. Sometimes he's even going in the second round. Tyreek Hill is going second round. Travis Kelsey, you know, end of the second, beginning of the third. You don't have those picks to make that stack. So stacking the the, the good players, the really, really good players, is kind of difficult. But you can possibly go down and get you some stacks with some other players. Last year's best stack was Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. The reason being is because Josh Allen was picked relatively later because nobody knew he was going to do what he did. Yes, he had rushing upside, but his throwing profile was horrible. So nobody was looking at this guy as if he was going to throw for a bunch of yards and touchdowns. They looked at him that he was going to run. Running quarterbacks are pretty good for fantasy. Let's go ahead and pick him because I already got Stephon Diggs on my team. Stephon Diggs was taken, I believe, maybe fifth, fifth or sixth round. I think he was taken as the wide receiver 21. But he was going in the fifth or sixth round, and then you turn around and you're getting Josh Allen in the eighth or the ninth. That's how you got that stack. And both those guys finished top three in their position. That is how you execute a stack. Get those guys. You know, last year you was also looking at Matt Ryan, Calvin Ridley, or Matt Ryan, Julio Jones. You're looking at Ryan Tannehill, um, A.J. Brown. You're looking at, you know, um, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You're probably not looking at them this year. Nobody knows if those two guys are even going to play in Green Bay this upcoming season. But you're looking for those stacks. You're looking for the Russell Wilsons, the DK Metcalfs. You're looking for that particular stack where you can get a Kyler Murray and a DeAndre Hopkins. You're looking for the stack so that you can give yourself a slight percentage bump over your competition when you play them each and every week. It doesn't always work out that way. You know, if the rest of your roster isn't great, then the stack is useless. What I can say to you is do not compromise the overall strength of your roster just to execute a stack.
Is it good to have a stack? Yes. But do not. Compromise the overall integrity, the overall strength of your roster just to execute a stack. If you believe DeAndre Hopkins is a better receiver than Stephon Diggs, pick DeAndre Hopkins. Even though you know that you're targeting Josh Allen later on in the draft. You take the better player. Yes, Stephon Diggs has showed last year that he is an incredible player. He played very well. And he gave you fantasy production. But DeAndre Hopkins is one of those people who's been top four at the position the last four or five years. Top four at the position last four or five years. That is consistent production. You go with that. I told you guys in previous episodes, consistent production. That is known consistent production over unknown upside. We take that every single time out. DeAndre Hopkins has proven that he is great. You take that every time out. Not to say that Stephon Diggs is not great. I'm just using that as an example. Every time out, we take that. So do not compromise the strength of your roster just to execute a stack. Make a decision quickly. On players that you want to move on from if they are injured. If it's not a full-blown stud at their position where they're getting you 20 or more fantasy points on a consistent weekly basis. They are expendable. Get rid of them. Get somebody else on your team. And let the other players... Within your league, play Russian roulette with the injured player on when they're coming back. And nobody gives a fuck if you draft early. Draft when you want to draft. Join best ball leagues and continue to draft each and every week as much as you want. Best ball is fun for those people who just like to draft Get your practice in. You don't have to set your lineups. You can do 18 to 20 of those. You don't care who the fuck gets injured. You're not paying attention to that shit. You just go back at the end of the year and see if you won or not. But your high stakes redraft leagues, yes, try to push those out as far as possible. But if you are participating in five to six or five to ten high stakes redraft leagues, it's no way that you're going to do all of those drafts in two or three days. Don't put that stress on yourself and get out there and do the best that you can with that.
draft when you want to draft. On this show, we are preparing you for all those ups and downs, for all those twists and turns. We're going to be here with you, helping you out. I appreciate the fact that I'm able to sit here and give you guys some little tidbits here and there. We're going to get more in-depth as the seasons as the season progresses, as the offseason progresses, as training camps get going. We are going to talk about a whole lot of stuff. We're going to give you more in-depth analysis on everything that's going on. So just stick with us, man. Support this show. I appreciate it. Be true to thine self. And earn your chip. This has been Fantasy AA. I've been your fantasy football mentor, Antoine Weisslicker. I appreciate you, as always. Leave a like, rating, and review. Share. Subscribe. Support me. I'll answer whatever questions you guys have. Just keep the support up. Thank you. And I'll catch you on the next one.